You're listening to the Slice of MIT podcast, a production of the MIT Alumni Association. This is the MIT Alumni Books podcast. I'm Joe McGonigal, Director of Alumni Education. Don Shelton-Reed, Class of 64, is the author of Barbecue, a savor the South Cookbook published this summer by the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill Press. Professor Reed, in your first book, Holy Smoke, you wrote in the preface that for better or for worse, Barbecue has arrived at a place where people use source as a verb, and there is the reference to craft barbecue renaissance and so forth. What worries you about the state of barbecue in 2016? Well, a number of things worry me about it, but I'm a worrier. My favorite kind of barbecue is the locally owned, uh, small town, family owned, really, uh, places that have been around for a few decades and are doing the same thing they've always done, and do just the one thing, ideally. Uh, you know, do one thing and do it very well. I could name some places that are like that. What you're finding now, though, are a number of other kinds of places producing barbecue. You've got, for instance, chain restaurants that uh, appear uh, all around, usually in cities or um, places without much of a barbecue tradition, but sometimes right in the face of, of places that have strong barbecue traditions. And they're doing all kinds of barbecues. I mean, barbecue from everywhere it's, or from nowhere. <laughs> Actually, often it's from Kansas City, but uh, I call it the International House of Barbecue model with uh, all kinds of meats and different kinds of sauces, mix and match. The customer's always right. At the traditional old-timey barbecue places, the customer's not always right. <laughs> it's not Burger King. <laughs> You don't have it your way. Uh, one of my friends, Sam Jones, runs a place down in Aden, North Carolina. He says, when you come here, it's not what you want. It's how much of it. And uh, anyway, I kind of like that attitude and that, and that model. Another thing, though, that gets to the people who use source as a verb, you're starting to find uh, high-toned places. Now, typically, barbecue in the past has been a working man's food. Uh, it's been sold in places, actually, that cater to the complete social spectrum, you'll find lawyers and uh, bankers and school teachers and policemen and uh, construction workers all, all in the same same place. But it's been uh, inexpensive, extremely good, but inexpensive uh, food for uh, working men and other people allowed to come and eat it too. Uh, now you're getting chefs, uh, people who don't hesitate to call themselves chefs in the barbecue business. You know, barbecue sometimes cooks, you know, or some more often probably barbecue men, and they nearly all were men. But now you're getting people who call themselves chefs and talk about sourcing their meat or serving it uh, with very chefy touches, you know, a coffee in the, in the barbecue sauce or a nutmeg and stuff like that, uh, that uh, put their own stamp on it. But that's not how it's been. Barbecue has been a traditional food that changes very slowly, if at all, and it's extremely local. And you would argue, perhaps, that the uh, health of the barbecue, the traditional barbecue industry as you know it, might mirror the health of the country? Well, there's an old-time American thing there with these family-owned, small-town, uh, small businesses. They're often second, third generation. As I say, they serve the whole community after, after the civil rights era. They serve in black and white as well as rich and poor. It's one place where everybody can come together and eat food that isn't terribly expensive. The new models, they're actually producing very good food, and they're helping to keep the wood-cooked barbecue tradition alive. Uh, it's threatened in some places people are switching to gas or electricity, but it's very good barbecue, but it's not for everybody. It's for people who don't mind paying $10 for a barbecue sandwich instead of $3.50. There's a, 
old-fashioned Fourth of July quality to the barbecue I like. <laughs> it's uh, it's not cooked by chefs, you know. Talk about North Carolina barbecue and what differentiates it from barbecue in the rest of the country, and, and how would you map the spread of North Carolina into other states? Well, uh, probably the most quoted thing I've ever written was I wrote once that barbecue in the United States is the closest thing we have to Europe's wines and cheeses. You know, you drive 100 miles and the barbecue changes. There are strong local traditions. and It used to be you could order barbecue, you look at it, and you know where you are. <laughs> Within North Carolina... We have two distinct barbecue traditions and a third emerging one. South Carolina has four. Uh, But what they do in eastern North Carolina is what people did everywhere in the United States in the 19th century. These different traditions have emerged since then. Uh, But in 1850s, say, barbecue everywhere involved cooking uh, whole hogs or sometimes sides of beef or whole lambs or sheep, but uh, hogs are the major source of meat, whole hogs, cooking them uh, a long time at a low temperature, and then serving them with a uh, sauce, you can call it a sauce, it's really more a tincture, uh, it's a seasoning of vinegar and red pepper and salt, not much else. And it's not the kind of sauce you get when you go to the grocery store and buy a sauce, which is basically ketchup with stuff in it. You know, this is vinegar with stuff in it and not much. So that's that's the classic Eastern North Carolina barbecue, and that's what American barbecue was before the 1870s. You cite the famous recipe line: "First, shoot the pig." That's right. <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, a cookbook by a very high-toned cookbook writer uh, <laughs> giving instructions about how to cook whole hogs. But for 200 barbecue. years or more, that was probably the one uh, recipe direction for a lot of. That's uh, right. Well, this is this is the first step. You, you when you move west across North Carolina. Since the about 100 years ago, when you get to the middle of the state, ketchup begins to sneak into the sauce, and people are cooking shoulders instead of whole hogs. And we've got a long rap about how the Germans are responsible for that. You've got some, some great lines in these recipes. Beyond first shoot the pig, there's first get a goat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, uh, and then if you've got a squirrel or a rabbit, throw it in, too. Into the, yeah, uh, well, the squirrels and rabbits are, are, are these days not the subject of barbecue, but they go into a uh, traditional stew that accompanies barbecue in North Carolina, the Brunswick stew. It's a Virginia, North Carolina thing. I enjoyed uh, the compliments, but, too. You said, uh, you know, one barbecue sauce tastes good on cardboard. It would taste good on cardboard. <laughs> yeah. And another one, you'd put it on ice cream. It tastes so good. That's right. Well, that, that's when you get out uh, west of the mountains. You start getting these thick, sweet, red sauces uh, that, to my mind, sit on the surface of the meat and kind of disguise the taste of the meat. So, you know, if you don't know what you're doing when you're cooking the meat, you can put some of this Kansas City sauce on it and nobody can tell that you... You have a recipe for Hill Country Hot Guts in here. You have one for Panhandle Smoked Mullet. Did you have a hard time weeding down the actual recipes you'd in- include in here and what would you would cut out? Yeah, well, the um, this is in a series of cookbooks, uh, which, oddly enough, have no no pictures, but on the other hand, they're that's unusual not to have pictures for a cookbook, but they're also reasonably priced, which is unusual too, uh, partly because they don't have any pictures. But it's a stock format of 5,000 word introduction and then 50 recipes, give or take one or two. I have 51 recipes in this book. I, I could have put in another 
15 or 20 because it's not just barbecue recipes. I also have recipes for the traditional side dishes. You know, I've got four recipes for coleslaw, for example, different kinds of coleslaw. Your 51st uh, recipe is sweet tea. Yes. Well, that's the very last one. Uh, yeah, you don't need a recipe for beer, you know, uh, which is another thing people often drink with barbecue. Uh, but in the Carolinas especially, uh, sweet tea is the, is the drink of choice, partly because you have these vinegar-based sauces and, and they get a nice sweet and sour thing going there. But also because a lot of the best barbecue places are run by Baptists who don't hold with drinking alcohol. So. You talk, talk about the threats to barbecue, but in your introduction you say, Right away, this is not going to be a book about carne asada, and it's not going to be a book about banh mi. Oh, the international takes on barbecue. This is about southern barbecue. And I'm curious, as a, as a sociologist, what you make of other cultures adopting the word barbecue around the world and, and putting their spin on it. Virtually every culture has some version of low and slow cooking. I mean, uh, it's a, it's, it's, everyone's discovered that that's a good way to cook tough or gnarly meat, you know, cook it for a long time at a low temperature. You can braise it or you can barbecue it, basically. Those are the choices. Not everybody calls it barbecue. What they, not everybody calls roasting at a 200 degrees, 210 degrees for 8 or 12 hours. Not everybody calls that barbecuing, but a lot of people do it. Increasingly, to, in this country especially, you know, Koreans and Korean restaurants say, well, what we're doing is a lot like barbecue, so we'll call it Korean barbecue, you know, and, and uh, I don't mind as long as it's as long as it's labeled properly, and you know, in the fullness of time, in you know, decades, a few decades, there may be a cross fertilization going on here. Certainly, uh, it's happening in other areas. I'm curious how much you, a lot of your recipes here, you'll say one cup of this, three cups of that. How much you wing it when you're mixing sauces? And it seems like that's uh, uh, an essential part of it, even for those who were who were made famous on some famous sauces or or meats. Uh, they're very uh, approximate. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of latitude uh, for sauces and, and slaws and everything else, you know. And people should be encouraged to experiment. And once you're actually comfortable with it, know what you're doing, you will experiment and you will do things without exactly measuring whatnot. But I've tried to be precise. If you do what the recipe calls for, you'll get a good result. And then after that, you can start fooling around with different proportions and things. One thing that is really uh, approximate, there's nothing to be done about it, is the time for cooking. You know, uh, if you're cooking a, a pork shoulder, for example, uh, there are rules of thumb about how long to cook it, but they can be way, way off. What you need to do, as I said in the book, is cook it to a particular internal temperature. I often give that, I try to give that temperature. Cook it to that temperature, and it'll be done. Now, whether it takes you seven hours or ten hours to get to that temperature, depends on all kinds of things that are not under your control. So, you know, start early is the message. And uh, I've twice now, twice, I can remember it vividly, twice now I've had people coming to eat barbecue and it just wasn't done, and it wasn't going to be done for another couple of hours. <laughs> There's nothing worse than that. It's a horrible, horrible feeling. Uh, I'm curious how your MIT education is at work in this book, if at all. <laughs> if at all. Oh, golly. Um that's a good question. I'm not sure I have an answer. You know, it's been a long time since I was at MIT. <laughs> so, being at MIT helped me get my job at the University of North Carolina, you know. Um, uh, but I worked there for 30-odd years, and it's been 10 years since I retired. So I spent most of my career at North Carolina writing about the South 
And after I retired, I started writing more about Southern food and uh, increasingly focused on, on barbecue. But that's just because uh, now if you have a pension, you can write about whatever you want to. So <laughs> I, I wrote another book about New Orleans just because it let me hang out there for a while. I looked up what your major was, what your course was. It's a political science. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And at the, in those days, uh, you couldn't do just political science. You had to do something serious as well. So I had a, 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 a degree in political science and mathematics, although I took the e- easiest math courses I could find. Well, there's some, there's some subtle math in this book. You could, I guess, some of those some of those proportions. I, I tell you what, there's, there's also I, I wound up being a sociologist. I went to Columbia in sociology. Uh, there's some sociology in this book too. I mean, this business about ethnic influences. There's a long, a lot of stuff in there about the Germans. I try not to, you know, beat people around the head and shoulders with, with science, but uh, there, I will say there are things that. I notice as a result of my training that other people apparently haven't noticed heretofore, so I'm grateful for that. I can't imagine that when you were at MIT there were any barbecue joints in Boston or Cambridge. <laughs> as far as I know, there weren't any. If there were, I didn't find them. I, uh, no, I, I, my girlfriend at the time and my wife now was at Duke, and when I went to visit her, there was some good barbecue places in Durham. <laughs> Let me ask you about my favorite place, Cooper's Pit Barbecue in, in Texas, Central Texas. Lano, Texas. Lano, that's right, yeah. Yeah, that, they cook in something that they call cowboy barbecue. It's, it's, it's cooked relatively hot, and it's over direct heat. It's kind of like grilling, but it's at a greater distance and from, from the fire. And uh, they're also cooking uh, various cuts of beef uh, as well as pork. It's not classical Central Texas barbecue either, which is heavily influenced by the German and Czech butchers. Uh, Cooper's is, is, is you know home on the range kind of barbecue. Uh, what uh, what cowboys would have cooked when they built a fire and put up a frame over it? It was one of my one of my favorite Texas experiences. Certainly, uh, tell me what uh, is on your nightstand right now. Uh, another interest of mine over the years has been uh, the Church of England, which uh, I, I wrote a book about that too, which has nothing to do with anything else I've, I've written about. So this summer, uh, my wife and I have been going to uh, a choral festival at Gloucester Cathedral, and uh, uh, we're in London now and checking out various churches that I wrote about in that book from 1996. So I've sort of got the South on hold for the time being. You're reading some some of your own writing from the 90s. Well, I'm I'm reading this book I wrote called Glorious Battle, which is about the 19th century Church of England. But I've said my last three books were my last ones, and then something too too good to pass up came up, (laughs) and I wound up writing another. Uh, At the moment, there's not another book on the horizon. I'm I'm, I'm doing things like essays. When when I get annoyed about something, I sit down and write an essay. I'm just doing more and more what I feel like doing. Give alumni uh, a recipe to start with if they've never done traditional barbecue in their backyard. You cite the pork shoulder as a good place to start, no? Right. Actually, the pork butt, Boston butt, which is half of the, uh, it's the top half of a pork shoulder. It's kind of five to eight pounds. It's, it's, It's a good, modest size. As I said in the book, it's a very forgiving cut. You know, it's impossible really to overcook it. It's self-basting. You don't have to worry too much about it getting dry because it's so fatty to start with. It's a good, very good place to start, and and not a bad place, as I said, to stop because uh, an awful lot of, awful lot of barbecue places around the country are serving pulled pork, and that's 
typically coming from pork shoulder, often just from Boston. But uh, John Shelton Reed, class of '64, is the author of Barbecue. Uh, Savor the South Cookbook, published this summer by the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill Press. John Shelton Reed, class of 64, thanks for joining me. It's been my pleasure, and hello to all my classmates.